Many times Christians will have a time in their life where they think, I, I want to do something for God. And this is good. It is. In fact, when we begin to realize and understand what God has done for us, it's just a natural show of gratitude to want to do something for, for God. But today, I, I want us to maybe take that whole thought to, to a different level, if you will. Instead of thinking about doing something for God, I'd like to encourage us to think about living for God. That is, doing something for God just becomes a way of life for us that we're continually doing something for God. When you continually do something over and over and over again, we call that a habit. And at times, the Bible will speak about being faithful and that's the same concept when we're faithful in attendance when we're faithful in service that means we do it over and over and over again and this is the power of doing something continually is that it builds up when i grew up in east tennessee there was a tourist attraction nearby called forbidden caverns it was a cave and uh that was just a, a rite of passage for everyone in our school. Is every year it seems like we went on a field trip to Forbidden Caverns, and so we're taking to that cave. And if you've ever been in one before, you know they have these formations in there called stalagmites and stalactites, and it's where the water drips in the cave, and where it hits on the bottom, there will be mineral deposits, and uh, those form these things called stalagmites. And where it drops, sometimes it leaves some water behind, and those are called stalactites. And I learned in elementary school, you remember the difference, because the stalactites have to hold on tight to the roof, right? So you see those formations, and people love to go in there and see those beautiful formations. But they take years and years and years to form. Uh, probably all of us have somewhere in our guttering system where there's a drip. But I've never seen a stalactite on a house, have you? No, it, our houses haven't been there long enough. And, and yet, that, that tiny little mineral deposit left behind, as it's happened over and over and over and over again, it, ha it builds up until it finally builds these beautiful formations. And, and that's, what, that's what habits do in our life. And they can be constructive or they can be destructive and the habits that we're talking about throughout this series of basking in the bible and praying and all of these different things if we begin to think about this is not in terms of monumental moments not in terms of someday i want to do something for god but when serving god becomes a way of life we're 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 able to do more the collective moments of a lifetime than anyone could ever do in in a moment and of course god is able to take even a moment of service and multiply it beyond our ability but that's that's another sermon for another day so what i want to talk to you today about is about serving the lord continually in first samuel chapter 12 verse 24 this is the passage that we're going to look at today first samuel chapter 12 verse 24 and i want to ask you just join me in standing together as we read this this is from the prophet samuel and here's what he told the people verse 24 
only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. Let's pray together. Father, we know that you do not change. Neither does your word. So just as you spoke to the prophet thousands of years ago to your people, may we hear and apply the same message to fear you and to be faithful to serve with all of our heart. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the Bible teaches very clearly that we need to fear the Lord and serve him. This is what Samuel said to the people. He said, only fear the Lord and serve him. So throughout the Bible, it often talks about fearing the Lord. And fear in this sense does, does not mean a terror. God does not want us to be afraid of him, at least not as believers. If uh, you've not accepted the gift of forgiveness, then you have a reason to be afraid. But once we've been brought into a relationship and brought into the family, God doesn't mean for us to be afraid of him. To fear the Lord means to stand in, in awe. Now, there's a lot of uh, forces of nature that when we encounter them, we, we might just stand in awe. I've only been to Niagara Falls once, but if you ever see it, uh, it it'll probably put every other waterfall you've ever seen to shame. Niagara Falls has a six million cubic feet that flows over those falls every minute. It's an extraordinary amount of water. And to see it is just, just amazing. Maybe you've had an encounter where you went camping or you went on vacation and maybe you went to the mountains or you went to the beach and you see this spectacular sunrise for those of you that are not morning people, you see this glorious sunset, you know, whichever the case may be. And you, you see this and you're just, you're just kind of, kind of in, in, in awe of it. Well, as beautiful and spectacular as those things may be, uh, they were the handiwork of a creator. And he is even greater than anything he has ever created. And when we begin to understand that, then we stand in, in awe of him. And the fear of the Lord means to have a healthy respect, a healthy respect. If a man is in the military, it doesn't really matter whether he is enlisted or an officer. If a four-star general walks into the room, everything changes, doesn't it? simply because of his rank. But when we begin to understand that we're in the very presence of God, it changes how we relate to him. And so the Bible says that we're to, we're to fear him and to serve him faithfully. When we begin to understand who it is that we're in the presence of and who it is that we're serving, then the only reasonable response to fearing him is to, is to serve. As we think about today, if you were in a crowded theater and someone yells fire, the only reasonable response is to evacuate the building. 
no sane person would say, oh, that's great. I always wanted to burn up in a building. <laughs> right? That person would clearly have some, some mental issues. No reasonable person would respond like that. And when we begin to understand who God is and who we are, that's the only reasonable response is to serve him and to worship him. The reason that people don't is because they've not yet come to either understand or believe or accept who God is and who they are in relation to him. And so when we begin to realize who it is that we serve, then that, that's, the only, that's the only rational response is to, is to serve him with all of our heart. So how do we serve the Lord? There are many, many ways, but here are some examples. The first is obedience. First John chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, listen to what it says. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. First uh, John was written to give us assurance of salvation. It wasn't written to question people's salvation or to cast doubt, but first John was written to give assurance. And first John, in this the letter from the apostle John, he's saying these are some of the evidences that when we see these things in our life, we know that we've passed from darkness to light, from death to life. We know, and one of the things is that we keep his commandments. Well, immediately, this is a conflict for many people today because, you see, the problem is, is that submitting to the commandments of God means often going against our own desires, our wills. It means going against the culture and the society in which we live because God's word is absolutely timeless, so it doesn't bend or accommodate culture as culture shifts and changes. And God's word is absolutely perfect, so it doesn't leave allowance for our sinful nature to indulge itself. And so when we begin to read God's word and we see what God is calling us to do, it, it, takes, it takes humility and it takes devotion to conform to God's commands. But yet this very act of obedience is a demonstration that God has saved us and that we've come to understand who he is. And when we begin to understand who he is, that's what moves us to want to serve him. And one of the ways that we serve is by obeying his commandments. Now, if you don't want to be obedient, uh, you'll find all kinds of affirmation in that all kinds of affirmation uh, you can look to the world and the world will tell you that's all a bunch of nonsense you don't need to worry about what the bible says you can find other christians that don't want to be obedient and they'll say well don't worry about that everybody does that they just don't talk about it everybody does that don't worry about that you'll find people who say well you you're doing really well in every other area don't worry about that one area you'll find all kinds of affirmation if you want to disobey God's word and ignore his commands. But God doesn't call us to partial obedience. He doesn't leave room for us to pick and choose which area of the Bibles that we want 
to follow. Life after Christ is a life of discovering things that we need to change and conform to. And it's a process as we learn more. God shows us things in our life that are inconsistent. And as long as we're on this earth, we're still going to be on this journey as long as we choose to obey God and follow him. Because as we begin to get one area under control, God will then show us something else that's inconsistent with the character and nature of Christ. And so he continues to work on him as long as we'll submit and be obedient. And one of the reasons that so many people are not convicted about all these different things is because they've never been obedient to surrender to the one thing that God has convicted them about. And so to serve the Lord, in part, it means to be obedient to the Lord. And sometimes that has to do with moral commands, and sometimes that has to do with God's direction for your life. Everybody has different gifts, but everybody also has a different calling. So we're, we're not all called to be pastors, and we're not all called to be missionaries. You, you don't have to today, you don't have to beat yourself up that you're not a missionary unless God has called you to be a missionary. God has a different call for every person's life. And so obedience means obedience to God's moral commands. It means obedience to God's direction for our life. But another way that we serve the Lord is through work, acts of service. 1 Corinthians 12, 14, listen, it describes the varieties in which God has gifted us and called us. He said, now there are varieties of gifts with the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So the Bible says here that there's only one Spirit, and yet the Spirit has gifted us all differently and called us different things. And so to serve the Lord continually means discovering who I am, discovering what God has gifted me for. Not everybody has been gifted with incredible music ability. Not everybody's been gifted with incredible teaching ability. Uh, there's a lot of people that in past have been asked to teach Sunday school in different churches, and they were just asked because they had a need, but that person necessarily didn't have, didn't have a gift. God doesn't gift us all for everything. We're not all gifted administrators, and we're not all gifted with hospitality. We're all different. And that's not bad because God meant for us to be different. He meant for us to complement one another. Now, this comes into the area of service whenever we begin to recognize what God has gifted us with and what God has called us to, and then we become obedient and we serve the Lord continually or faithfully, as Samuel said. As we all begin to serve the Lord faithfully, then our gifts and our abilities begin to mesh together and our weaknesses are complemented by someone else's strengths and together we become this powerful force described in Scripture as the body of Christ. That as we begin to serve continually, listen to what the Bible says in the middle part of verse 24. He says, only fear the Lord and serve him, listen to this, faithfully with all your heart, faithfully. I think most Christians today, if we ask them, do you think that we need to serve the Lord? They would say, well, of course we need to serve the Lord. We need to do something for the Lord. 
But the Bible is calling us to much more than doing something for the Lord. It's calling us first to be faithful and second to do it with all of our heart. Now, faithfully describes the continuous nature of our service. To be faithful means to continue to do something. If you're faithful to your wife, you continue to love her and only her. If you're faithful to church attendance, it means you come on a regular basis. To be faithful means an ongoing, continual action. And that's what a habit is. It's when we begin to do something to the point that it just becomes part of the natural rhythm of our life. Uh, I, don't, I don't know the last time that my family got up on Sunday morning and said, well, are we going to church today? They don't, th they don't think about that. And when we come to the point that these things become habits, then you won't get up and think, well, am I going to pray today? Will I read the Bible today? Will I serve the Lord today? As these become part of the rhythm of our life, we begin to do it faithfully, faithfully. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, verse 8. He said, when the Son of Man comes, and, and that's Jesus referring to himself. Uh, the Son of Man is a reference to Old Testament prophecy in Daniel. And this was Jesus' favorite way to refer to himself. And he says, when the Son of Man comes, listen to this. Will he find faith on the earth? The Bible says that, that Jesus is going to come back at a time that none of us know. We can't predict it. We're not going to see it coming. Other than we can see the signs and know that it's getting closer, no one knows the date. So nobody's going to ever know when Jesus is coming. If you ever hear a preacher say, I know when the Lord's coming back, you'll know that uh, that is wrong. Uh, maybe everything he said is wrong, but at least that's wrong. I remember in Atlanta, uh, there was a guy from California that had uh, discovered the date of Jesus' return. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but in, our, in Atlanta, he had purchased billboards all over Atlanta, a very wealthy man, and he had published billboards all over Atlanta, and he had put the date that Jesus was going to return, and he was trying to get people to respond to the Lord before this date. And people would constantly ask me about those billboards. And I said, I said, well, you know, one thing's for sure, that's not the date. We know that. I mean, if I was Jesus and some kook accidentally guessed it, I'd change the date, right? So <laughs> we know that's, that's not the date. And, and the, the good thing that came about out of those billboards is I had all kinds of people asking me about Jesus and started lots of conversations in the community. But the Lord's going to come back. He's going to come back at a time that we do not expect. And so Jesus said, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? Well, if we don't know when he's coming, the only way to be found faithful when he comes is to constantly be faithful, right? To constantly be faithful, to continually be serving the Lord. So that at that time when he comes, it's completely unknown to us that we can't even guess or know that we'll be found faithful. And if we get in a if we get in this habit of serving the Lord, then when he returns, we'll be found serving. I want you to notice the second part though of this verse. It's, it's so important. It says, with all your It says we're to serve him faithfully, and faithfully describes the continuous nature of our service, but with all your heart describes our, our attitude. 
in service. People do things for all kinds of reasons. They have all kinds of motives, right? Some of you have perhaps worked with people before that, that didn't work with all their heart, right? They worked to get a paycheck, and they worked out of fear of their boss. You know, they just did what they had to do. Uh, not everybody's like that. Favorite cartoon I ever saw, a guy sitting on his desk with his feet propped up reading the newspaper. The boss walks in, and he says, why aren't you working? And he says, I didn't see you coming. So, a lot of truth in that, isn't there? Sometimes people do what they're supposed to be doing, but they do it for the wrong motive. And in church, we can be motivated by guilt. We can be motivated by fear. We can be motivated by this obligation and duty. And so we think, well, I just, I don't want, I don't want to do this, but that's what I'm supposed to do. Or we think, well, I'd really like to do that, but who knows what the Lord might do to me if I do that. that. That's not the same as being moved with all of our heart. And the heart here, it's a metaphor for our passion, our desire. It's the difference between doing something because we're supposed to do it and doing something because we just can't wait for the opportunity to do it. Because we want to serve the Lord. And there are, areas, there are areas of service that are more joyful than others. There are areas of service that are more exciting than others. Uh, you know, we got uh, one of our members about to, or one of our attenders about to go on a mission trip. I think he's pretty excited about it. Yes, it's exciting. There's uh, other things that the Lord calls us to do sometimes that we just we know that it needs to be done and maybe we're not excited about that task but because we're excited about the lord we can still do it with all of our all of our heart you see ultimately knowing jesus is a relationship it's a relationship and that's why the heart matters it's not just about doing the right things. It's about doing the right things because we're moved by the right reasons, by the right reasons. You know, you can, you can, if we just use the analogy of marriage, every once in a while I forget something. You ever forgot something? If you forget the anniversary and your, your spouse knows you forgot the anniversary, you can spend all kinds of money and it won't make up for having forgotten but you can remember, and you can get a, a $5 card and write a very heartfelt personal message in advance. And it means more than all the makeup presents you can put on your credit card, right? Because it's a relationship. It's a relationship. The heart matters. It's not always about what you do. It's about love. And so God wants us to come to the point where we serve him with all of our heart you say well how how would how would we do that well we become motivated by gratitude for what god has done for us that's that's what when we realize what he has done for us that's what moves us to serve him there was a a time in my life when I was even, believe it or not, even more immature than I am now in the faith. 
and you know things would happen i think oh you know why why did this happen to me you know why do i have to endure this and 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 now uh you know some things happened to me recently and uh, somebody said something to me about it and you know i said you know uh i said you know it's, it's nothing compared to what the lord did for me you know it's, not, it's no big deal it's nothing compared to what he did for me we uh we went on the thailand trip in november and uh several of us got sick so they said oh man it's a rough trip i said oh, no i mean not really i mean it wasn't any big deal i mean it was sick for a while it was pretty miserable but i mean it's nothing compared to what the lord did for me nothing when we begin to understand what christ has done for us then we're moved by gratitude and so the last part of this verse it says for consider what great things he has done for you this is the motive when we realize what christ has done for us everything else is small by comparison right maybe you're thinking well you know pastor what if i got really serious about my faith and, and the lord called me to be a missionary i don't i think i could be a missionary I, I don't, i've known a lot of missionaries i don't know any of them that ever regretted it and said i wish god had called me to do something else you see when you begin to understand what god has done for you everything that he calls you to do is small by comparison so we're moved by gratitude for what god has done for us and when we're moved by gratitude that's completely different than being moved by guilt or being moved by obligation or being moved by duty when we're thankful for what christ has done for us then instead of saying well i, uh, I hope the lord doesn't want me to teach Sunday school I can't I, I can't stand children I, I hope I don't ever have to do that or you know I, I hope I don't have to do this then, then we begin to say here my Lord send me that's what Isaiah said here my Lord send me gratitude will not only give us a proper motivation for serving the Lord continually it will help us find joy in our service it'll help us to find joy because when we're trying to do something to serve the lord it just puts everything in perspective if we're trying to do something just to earn a reward there are going to be times that we can't endure the difficulty and suffering that comes along with service if we're doing things out of guilt we're just we're going to be miserable we might be faithful but we'll be miserable and there's a lot of people that are trying to do the right thing but they're not doing it for the right reason and so they find themselves just worn out frustrated and have no joy in their service but when we're moved by remembering what he has done for us it makes every burden light because it puts everything into perspective so we say here my lord send only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart for consider what great things he has done for you as we close our service today we close by remembering what Christ did for us 
we close by remembering it in the way that he prescribed for us, the symbol that he has given us of the Lord's Supper. And in this, this, this beautiful symbol in which bread represents his body and the juice represents his blood poured out for us, we remember that Christ gave his life for us. And because he died for us, we're moved to live for him. And that's ultimately what the Christian life is about is us having the desire to live for him. It's where gratitude comes from, by remembering what he has done for us. And that's what keeps all of our service in perspective. The Bible talks about faith and works. And most religions, if not all religions in the world, teach that people are saved or people reincarnate or people enter nirvana or whatever it is that the religion teaches by works. But in Christianity, Jesus did all the work, and we receive it by faith. And the works that we do are service offered in gratitude for what he has done for us. So today as we celebrate the supper, may our remembrance and our gratitude move us to have a desire to serve the Lord faithfully and to fear him with all of our heart. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your son who did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He offered a payment for our sins that was sufficient to pay for them. And Father, I pray for every person that's present and every person that's listening and watching our broadcast. Lord, I pray that you draw us all unto yourself. In sincere faith, I pray that we would all call upon you and believe and trust in what Christ did for us. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.